Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter, no, I'm sorry, 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Bo, did you get your candy bar? Pistachios, awesome. So Bo can't participate because he participate and want, participated and won a bag of pistachios in the first service. 20 years old and younger, 20 years old and younger, can you tell me what Hebrews chapter 11 is called? It's called something. It's here. It's the faith chapter. That's right. So get a candy bar after the service. It's in the, uh, that room over there. Uh, the old, Stacy's old office, we call it. It's the first office right over here. <clears throat> there is a thing of candy bars for our birthday, folks. All right. He, so just, just put your finger there. Put your finger there because we're not reading it right now. But we're going to read it here in just a moment. This is a shotgun sermon. I've got three uh, points to it. And the first point is what today is. Is anybody aware of what the third Sunday in January every year is? Sanctity of Life Sunday. That's right. This is a difficult subject to talk about many times. But remember, our golden rule here at Bethel Baptist Church, finish it for me, awkward is awesome. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, now we're all awkward. So <laughs> awkward is awesome. That's right. Um, so, church... We especially, anything that, that assails to this important of a subject, we've got to be willing to have some awkward conversations with people. And as long as you do it in love, you're going to decrease the level of awkwardness. You know, you should never have to be called down by someone else because you're raising your voice too much or whatever. Because as a Christian, you should be able to proclaim the truth in love. And so we're not here to put anyone down, but we are here to make sure that we're true to our Savior and true to this subject, and that is, with all the love we can muster, abortion is wrong. Abortion is murder. And we as a people have to lovingly take a stand. Now watch this. The person that has the abortion is not the enemy. She is the person we're trying to reach. She's hurting. Church, our world has lied to people that have had abortions and told them it's no big deal. It's just a lob of flesh, yada, yada, yada. And the reality is he or she is a baby, a human being. And that person innately knows what is going on. And then after it's done, the devil, the world, and the flesh goes to work. And those people struggle and they suffer. And we as the church of Jesus Christ should be there to renew them, to forgive them, to restore them. Amen, church? That's what we're here for. And so we are not the enemy of someone that has had a, an abortion. We are hopefully the road to healing. And so, but we have to take that stand. Scripture is replete with support that life begins at conception. The Bible says uh, here in Exodus 23, 13, thou shalt not kill. Psalm 139, 14, David says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That's Psalm 139, 14. Jeremiah 1, 5, 
God says to Jeremiah, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. I don't know that I really realized how passionately and convincingly pro-life had been put into my DNA until my wife had her, it'll come to me, miscarriage. And I grieved beyond words. And I couldn't understand why I was grieving so hard. Six weeks. We only knew about Remington. That's what we've named him. We're saying by faith that it's a him. When we get to heaven, if it's a her, we'll adjust on the fly. (laughs) It'll be Joanna May at that point. That's our girl's name that we did not get the chance to use. Watch this. At conception, I was a dad, a dad of my second son or daughter. And when I lost my son or daughter six weeks in, it affected me. I've never been affected like that. And it's because I know and I believe that he or she was 100% human, and I lost that opportunity. I'm never going to give that child a Remington 12-gauge shotgun. I'm never going to spend time with that child in the deer woods. I'm never going to haul sap with that child type thing. And I mourned that loss. And any person that tells you opposite, they're just simply wrong. They're simply wrong. And you and I have got to take a firm but loving stand on this truth that abortion is wrong. And watch this. If we're going to be pro-life, then we've got to help those children that make it past the womb but need our help now, okay? And we need to help those ladies that are with child and they're trying to make a decision. We need to help them. So April the 11th, Dawn and I have circled it on our uh, calendar. That Thursday evening, we're going to the My Resource Banquet. We're going to pay our tickets, and that is supporting them. And we're going to hopefully go with other folks. You're welcome to go with us. Let's fill up a couple tables type thing. We'll get a sign-up sheet. Sister Stacy, for that uh, banquet. And I don't know the cost. I'll get you all of that information. But let's support this. October, uh, I don't know what Sunday, that first Sunday of October. I think it's the second. But whatever that first Sunday of October, we do life chain. I would love for as many of you to be with me. I know, and I say me, us, the staff of our church, will be there supporting the life chain. I'm asking you to do that as well. You stand for an hour holding a poster that says something along the lines of Jesus loves, Jesus forgives, Jesus heals. And so we're taking a loving stand for unborn children. Today is Sanctity of Life Sunday. So I've got some points here in this message that I'll just read. Recruit all who are winnable. Everybody in your sphere of influence that is like-minded, you need to recruit them to take a stand for pro-life. And then you need to prepare yourself for the arguments that may come from other folks. Start with your family. Church, don't commit Peter's sin. Take a stand. Take a stand. Let people know where you stand. How about this one? 
pray for national revival. We need to pray for a national revival. We celebrated this, but folks, we are in a post-Roe versus Wade world. That was over, it was thrown out by our Supreme Court. Hallelujah, praise the Lamb. So every state in the union now has permission and the right, which they should have always had, to make their decision. Now watch this. You see, I think this is very similar to Elijah and Carmel, Mount Carmel. I believe right now in the United States of America, every state that is doing its best to protect life and to promote business and to protect freedom of religion, I believe God is doing the whole five-gallon bucket thing. He's shaking out the blessings to those states. And then every state that's doing their best to promote pro-death and not pro-business and they're, you know, defund the police, all that, I believe God has set that five-gallon bucket up in a shelf somewhere. And I've got statistics to prove it. People are leaving those states like rats leaving a sinking ship. Hallelujah. Praise the land. Well, what's going on? I believe that in the United States of America, this, our people are seeing the God who answers by economic fire. Let him be God. And, and I believe we need to seize the moment. I do with all my heart. And, and one, this, one of the issues, if you will, one of the ways for your state to be blessed is to make your state a safe for babies in the womb. I believe that that's 100% accurate. So consider all options is point number five in this simple message about how to be involved in the emancipation of the unborn. Support your local pregnancy resource centers and research your options. So that's uh, bullet number one on this three shotgun uh, message. Uh, today, I'm sorry, right now we're going to move to point number two, but I've got to look at my notes real quick. We took a BAMO assessment in October. I had a very interesting thing, and, and if you're this person, I want to sit down with you. I do. I'm not upset. I'm not mad. I want to buy your lunch. If you're a girl, we'll invite your dad along. Uh, if you're a woman, we'll invite your husband along, or whatever the case may be, but I want to sit down and talk to you. But someone wrote on the assessment, and I got mad for two seconds, two seconds, and the Holy Spirit corrected me. Watch this. Because what she said, or he said, was fair. It was fair. You know what they said? I don't believe anyone's going to look at this, and if they do, it will be ignored. Yep, somebody wrote that on the BAMO assessment. So now let's look at facts. Here's the facts. Two years ago when we started this, we took an assessment. I graded it. I came back to you. We can probably find it in the files, and we talked about it. So point number one, that was not accurate. Point number two, the second time I came to you, which was a year and a half, I'm supposed to come to you every six months, so that's on me. Watch this. We took the assessment, and I told you we're not grading it. We're getting back in the habit of assessing. I want this to be us dipping our toe back into the assessment world. And then six months after that, October, we assessed. And I told you it's going to take me a little bit because watch this. We set a record, 112 people assessed. Yeah, yeah, 
You're buying in. Hallelujah, praise the Lamb. So please hear me. I'm not mad at the person that wrote that because it, it's a fair accusation. The reality is it's not true. And so now I want to sit down with you and talk to you about your assessment. <laughs> I do. Because watch this, church. I'm not here to zing anybody except my wife. Y'all know that. I'm not here uh, to get after anybody. I'm here to help everybody grow in their relationship with Christ. Amen, church? That's what I'm here for. So let, let's get to where whoever that person is that they can assess better the next time. That's the purpose of assessment. And so I'm, I'm fixing to do a deep dive, not today, but we're going to go into a deep dive because you ready to hear your score? 26%. This church scored 26% on that assessment of essentially how well we're carrying out the gospel and how well or what we know about Missions within the Baptist Missionary Association. So <clears throat> we got some work to do. We got some work to do. But I am 100% pumped and, and thrilled for the opportunity because now I know where to focus uh, our efforts and energy. And I believe God is going to help us do that. Church, we got about two more months before we assess again. And so I believe we can make great strides. I was thrilled and encouraged by many things that was said. But we just need to... to Focus in like a laser beam on some certain areas and make sure that you know what it is God wants you to do. Well, that's going to take faith. And this is point number three. Now, Brother Gavin, I'm trying my absolute best not to spoil anything with your new book. You have stated at BRH what you're looking into, but I know you're, you're going, he's doing a deep dive in orphans. And so he asked me about a certain uh, chapter, and so I did some research in that this week. It lit my fire, so I'm going to try to share with you the part of my fire that was lit that won't ruin his book. <laughs> in other words, I'm trying not to step on his intellectual property. Amen. I appreciate that, Brother Gabe, but, but I'm still, I'm going to try to be true to it. Here, here it is. The uh, Genesis 15 is Abram's, one of Abram's covenant situation. And God did something with him. Well, we were researching that, and in studying it, I pulled out a hundred-year-old commentary, and oh my goodness, Hebrews 11, 1 and 2 came in vivid color through this guy's quote. I sent the quote to my fam thread, Emma, as she so astutely did, she said, it sounds important and serious, but we don't get it. <laughs> so I'm going to break uh, the quote down for you, but we're going to start with Hebrews chapter 11. Let's all stand for the reading and reverence of God's holy word. Hebrews chapter 11, we're looking at verses 1 and 2. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it elders obtained a good report. Father, we ask you to add your blessings to the reading and preaching of your holy word. In Jesus' name we ask it all. Amen. You may be seated. We've had this conversation many times. I thought I was an introvert being raised up because I was scared to death to talk in front of people. The reality was I was not an introvert. God had created an extrovert, but my extrovertism hadn't gotten out yet. And one of the ways that it got out was through this passage on faith. You see, 
My dad was a preacher. Most of you know that. In the Baptist Missionary Association. We don't have very many churches that have staff beyond senior pastors. And my dad never had a staff underneath him. He was the clerk. He was the treasurer. He was everything. Uh, when he would go to a church, most and maybe not treasurer, but you follow what I'm saying. He didn't have a Brad. He didn't have a Mandy, a, a Brad Miller. He didn't have a Stacy. It was him. And so every two years we moved. Every two years. By 11, I had lived in 12 to 13 different houses. Because we'd show up at a place and almost inevitably they were already building a parsonage for the preacher. Because back in the 70s, that's what they did. And so they would put us in one house and then move us to the next house. And we'd just all get settled and then we'd go to the next church. <laughs> Same thing over and over and over. And so about six times into this, I came to my mom and said, I'm tired of making friends. And she said, I get it, babe. I do. But this is what God has called us to. And I believe that God will use this in your life if you'll just learn to go up to a person that you don't know that you think you might want to be friends with and put out your hands and say, my name's Ben Kingston, what's yours? Now think about that. You see, I'm telling you something you couldn't know unless I told you that Ben Kingston was scared to death to do that. Everybody in this room and my kids, that's all they know is my ability to go out and say, hey, my name's Ben Kingston, what's yours? Type thing. I, I have to convince you that I was an introvert at some point. But the way I got there was faith. Because even though my mom gave me a really good piece of advice, I still didn't want to do it. And I'd hear my dad preach, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And I'm like, well, okay, that sounds great, Dad, but what the world does that mean? And so I had to break it into small, incremental, and it's been, I've shared with you probably four, five, six years ago when I preached a message very similar to this that I'm still learning what that verse means. J. Vernon McGee brought some color to the meaning of that verse. Think about science. Think about a lab. Now, he shared this story. I've never had this experience. I don't know if it's because they knew I wasn't smart enough to understand it, but they never required me to go to a lab class. Because you know why? Because in those lab classes, apparently, according to J. Vernon McGee, when you walk in, the teacher will have something in every test tube, something different, and each student has to figure out what's in the test tube. And you got so many things on your desk that you can use to determine what's in this test tube. J. Vernon said they had to call the fire department more than once when he would do stuff like that. Now, can you imagine if I were in that class? You know, uh, probably, anyway. So, uh, <laughs> J. Vernon said this, for the Christian, faith is what is in the test tube of life. Your faith is all you need to believe that Jesus hung on one of those 2,000 years ago. Your faith. It's the substance. Should I believe in this? Should I follow this? Should I give 10% of my income to an entity that I may or may not be right? Should I wear certain clothes? Should I stay away from certain places? Should I listen to certain music just because? Do you have faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence. And then he said this, think about a crime scene. Think about a court 
setting. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. I didn't see that person do that, but I've got this evidence that puts him at the scene. And then I've got evidence on this person that says that he did this and such of that nature. And so when we look at creation... In Romans chapter 1, it says the unbeliever is without excuse because the creation every day is showing them somebody beyond us did that. I'm telling you right now, just looking at Baloo Hill, when the sun comes up, somebody else did that. And that didn't happen over millions and millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of years. There's evidence. There's evidence, and we have to have faith. We have to believe that. There's not anything, there's not any accusation about our origins that doesn't require faith. And ours happens to be a reasonable faith. And so, faith is the substance, what's in the test tube. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. So what is faith? Faith is God's gift to live this life. Faith is the practice of believing that God has, is, and will do what he has said he will do. Think of the word evidence. In other words, think of a crime lab. Uh, faith is what is in the test tube. It proves what is reality. Faith is real. It is right. It is reliable for what is hoped for or needed. In other words, church, you and I have a real, right, reliable faith that what you need will be provided. So then Tuesday happened, and I searched for this Genesis 15. And I've got to find my phone real quick. And this, uh, well, maybe. You see it? Thank you, Aaron. Oh, yeah, because this is, this is where I've got the uh, notes that I'm fixing to read to you. When I read this, I went to my chalkboard in my office, and I wrote it down. And then I took a picture of it, and I sent it to Gavin, and then I sent it to my family. Now, I'm just going to prepare you, and we're doing great on time, but we're almost done. This is deep stuff. This guy lived 100-something years ago. They didn't talk like us back then, but it's understandable. Church, we're in a time that we can't afford to stay ignorant. And I'm not telling any of you that you're ignorant. I'm telling you that I, many times, am ignorant. But we have tools available to us that we can discover, learn, and understand stuff. And we've got to give the discipline to do it. So for... About 20, 30 minutes, I gave myself to the discipline of running words out, looking at their definitions, and I understood this quote. Here's the quote. Faith, therefore, is not merely essentious, that's one of the big words, but fiducia. Well, how many of us talk like that? Only the financial people in our room knows what fiducia is, okay? Also, unconditional trust in the Lord and His word. Now, we can all understand that. Even where the natural course of events furnishes no ground for hope or expectation. Abram 
didn't have any evidence that he should be believing what God has said except his faith. I trust you, God. I trust you. That's all he had. Watch this. It was enough. It was absolutely enough. So let's break it down. Faith, substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen, therefore is not merely assent. So if I get mental assent that Bo is sitting here, that's all it is. Yep, Bo's here. Check. He made it to church. That's all it is. If we're not careful, folks, that's all we do with God. Yep, God, you're real. It's not enough. It's fiducia. What in the world does that mean? Unconditional trust, confident. That's fiducia. I'm confident. I'm not merely assenting that God is here. I'm absolutely placing my whole life on it. I'm confident. Watch it. Unconditional trust in the Lord and his word. Even where the natural course of events furnishes no ground for hope or expectation. So they're not my... They're, sorry. Mark Shelton, where are you at? He's not in here. Okay, I'm going to throw you under the bus. Mark's been supposed to bring me coffee for the last three weeks. That's why I can't put three sentences together, okay? It's all Mark's fault. All right, thank you for laughing. It's just a joke. But maybe I'll get my coffee next week. <laughs> there might not be any grounds that I can point to, that I can hold, that would give me reason to believe God, but my Faith is enough. Church, I've lived long enough to tell you that the faith that I have had in God has absolutely carried me through any and everything. He's brought me through it all. I now have all sorts of evidence. I now have all sorts of substance in the test tube to tell you that God is real. But at the start of it, it's faith. And as you continue... As you continue to exercise faith in God, and he continues to deliver, he continues to show up, he continues to love you, he continues to grow you, what more does your faith need? And at 26%, as a Bethel assessment, watch this, all I'm telling you is that there's nobody under the sound of my voice that you want only 26% of God's blessing this week. You don't, and that's fair. You want 75 or, or 100 of God's blessings this week. Well, he has a rightful demand upon you. He wants more than 26%. And by our faith, we can grow. By our faith, we can become the soul winners that, we, that the devil tells us that we can't be. By faith, we can become the soul winners that our flesh doesn't want us to be. By faith, we can become the soul winners that our world doesn't want us to be. But by faith, we can do it. And then fill in the blank. Well, it's just so hard to understand the Bible. By faith, it's not. It's just so hard to take a stand for these issues out there in the world. By, by faith, it's not. By faith, we can do what God has called us to do. Every day and all day. And when you mess up, guess what? Short accounts. You confess that and get it right and move on. Don't you dare sit there and wallow. I'm just, I'm just such a bad person. That's why Jesus died on the cross, to get rid of that. He loves you. He'll forgive you. Now let's go type thing. Musicians, will you come? Let's all stand. We've got some work to do in our invitation time. It's, it's a little early, but not too early.
got a few things I want to do in this invitation time. What do you need to claim by faith? And I'm not talking about in the, if you will, name it, claim it setting. I'm talking about you know God has called and asked you to, to do this. Excuse me. So what do you need to, by faith, agree with God, I am going to do this? Whatever it is. Whatever it is. And God will give you the grace. He will step inside of you. He will do it through you. Maybe it's walk this aisle today and receive Christ as Savior. We'll send you as someone gender appropriate. They'll share the gospel with you. Maybe it's just to say, Lord, I'm going to let you lead me, and I'm going to lead my family the way you want me to. Whatever the case may be, will you come? Let's sing. One verse, one verse, and then we're going to do something else. Mm -hmm.